Cheers Cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Then you'll do it. Well, yeah, if it's for a worthy cause, I guess I could give him my old jersey, you know, and a old number 16. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Uh, I'll make a call and, you know, I'll tell you what, if, uh, if this sells, maybe I could give him some more of my uh, athletic equipment. While you're at it, Sam, why don't you give them one of your old jock straps? <laughs> nah, too many memories. Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and joining me to discuss the episode, Take My Shirt, Please, is returning guest of the show and 60% of the entire Fire and Water Network, Rob <laughs> Kelly. What's up, Rob? Howdy, Ryan. I'm glad to be back in the bar. Very good to have you. Uh, you've been here. We've talked many a times about the show, so let's just dive right in. We are doing Cheers Season 4, Episode 13, Take My Shirt, Please, written by David Lloyd, directed by Jim Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, January 9th, 1986. Diane volunteers to work the telephone banks of a PBS auction. When she mentions that several famous Boston athletes are donating memorabilia, the gang convinces Sam to sell his old Red Sox jersey. During the auction, it initially seems that no one is willing to bid on the shirt, but after an awkward period, someone pays $100 for it. When Diane returns to the bar, Sam is so proud that his name still carries enough clout that he offers to sell more of his baseball gear. Diane stops him by admitting that she bought the jersey because she felt sorry for him. His pride wounded, Sam insists that she return it so that it can get another fair shot at selling. When no one seems to want it on the second round, Sam buys it back himself, impersonating a woman on the phone to preserve his dignity. But Diane catches him, and he's so embarrassed that he puts the shirt up for bid yet again. Finally, when it seems like the jersey will not be purchased and will instead be destroyed on TV, Sam must come to grips with the truth that his celebrity status is a thing of the past. Just as he seems ready to move on, someone, not affiliated with the bar, buys the jersey for $300. Sam immediately forgets the catharsis he just experienced and feels overjoyed by his notoriety. He invites the purchaser of the jersey to the bar in order to autograph it. But the buyer is no baseball fan and has never even heard of Sam Malone. He admits he only bought the jersey out of a mixture of pity and annoyance that it kept coming back up for the auction. Sam takes Diane back to the office and irrationally vents his anger that he looks like a jackass and somehow it's all her fault. All right, Rob, what did you think about this episode? Well, a couple of things. Like when I re, I mean, I I've rewatched Cheers uh, from from beginning to end a bunch of times, so it's not like I haven't seen this episode in like a really long while. It's been even a couple of years, but that's it. But rewatching it again for uh, this this recording, I was shocked at how relatively not all that funny this episode is, and I don't mean that as an insult. I think it's kind of on purpose. Now, I don't want to overstate that. I'm sure that the, the, the you know, uh, James Burroughs and the, and the, the um, Charles Brothers, they always want every episode of Cheers to be funny because it's a sitcom. It's, right. it's, first and foremost, it's a sitcom. That said, this episode, I winced at some of the humor, partly from recognizing it myself. 
Uh, part of the reason this episode interested me is because, uh, much like you, Ryan, uh, I have attended a lot of Comic-Cons. <laughs> and I have been on both sides of that table uh, where – uh, I have looked at someone selling their wares and kind of maybe reliving faded glory, and it's a little sad sometimes. And I've also been, like I said, on the other side of the table where I was selling my wares, and I've had a couple of conventions where I didn't sell a damn thing. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a tough pill to swallow. So I really felt for Sam in this episode – and I, again, all credit to Ted Danson, I think, for, for being willing to play the hero of the show in such a vulnerable state because it, this is kind of a melancholy episode. Again, and there's some traditional cheer uh, style humor, all the stuff with Norm, which we'll talk about. Yeah. And there, there are some genuine funny lines, but it's it, in a lot of ways, it's like a character piece for Sam more than it is like a 23 minute kind of yuck fest. Yeah, the maybe the one I might compare it to be would be compared to is um in the first season when the the episode that's really about his alcoholism. Now it doesn't get to the dramatic heights of that episode, you know, where you think he might fall off the wagon, but it really does kind of focus on putting him in an uncomfortable position where they keep ratcheting up how much they can squeeze out of his dignity and make it just really like Oh God, Sam! What are you doing to yourself? What like what is this going on? And you're right; it's really up to Norm and Cliff and Woody to do most of the, the heavy lifting for the humor. Um, and they do have some brilliant, like humorous parts of this episode. Like they they definitely make sure that you laugh a couple of times. But yeah, the main plot with Sam it's like it's hard to watch at times because you like the character so much and you just you like. He's suffering by his own, you know, pride. He's he's doing this to himself and just stop at some point. There's so much talk, uh, you know, recently about like people that live in the bubble, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like you only live with people, you you know, on Twitter or whatever. You live in your own universe, and so you think that you're the thing you're into is the thing everybody's into. Right. And you know, by the way, man, you go to social media, you'll get disabused of that notion really fast because it's <laughs> like. You go to Twitter and people are celebrating the birthday of some YouTube legend. And I'm like, who the hell is this? I don't even know who this person is. In it's sort of funny. Like the bar is its own bubble because, of course, to the bar fly, Sam is legendary. Sam is an ex baseball pitcher. He is top tier baseball star. And then you realize to the outside world. He's not. Yeah, he played baseball and he's got some fame, but they even mentioned some other, like Charlie, Carly Yaskremski. Yeah, they talk about Bobby Orr, knows. John Havlicek. Bobby Orr. Yeah. yeah. They're mentioning like these real and, – and Sam has the presence of mind. He's like, I wasn't that at that level. Right, and Carla's right. like, well, to us you are. And right, right. it's like they, they put him up to that. Like he w- didn't plan on donating anything until they pushed him to do it. Yep. They live in the world where Sam's reflected glory is so bright that they're a little even blinded by it and they don't recognize that the outside world right up those stairs is like, who? And that's, it's a little sad. And I, again, I all cheer, all credit to cheers writers for kind of being willing to, you know, I knock Sam off that pedestal a little bit. Now they would go back on it here and there. They would do later episodes where people would be like, Oh my God, you're Sam Malone. You know, and Sam would even get the pitch again in, in one episode. But I, I don't know. I, Again, I, I've been to a bunch of comic conventions where you see some people there and like, you know, they're they're living off one thing they did 40 years ago. 
and they're still there with their eight by ten glossies that they're willing to sign. And you know, to somebody that means something, and that's great. I don't, I don't, I'm not in any way denigrating it. But I've seen people at cons with nobody at their table yeah. ever, and it's it's hard. It's really hard because you just you want people to have a good time. You want to feel like and you know, and like I said, I, I I did a show once where I didn't sell a single item that I had, and it it, it I drove home. That that night, like, okay, <laughs> it really hurt. So this episode uh, resonated with me in, in in ways I really hadn't remembered. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad yeah, I'm glad it connected to you emotionally that way. I'm sorry you had to relive that pain, but uh, not to mention the stuff about the dairy. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, that is, that is a good point of the bubble because I do think it is it's self feeding that way because. The others definitely. There's some. It's self-serving. They they get something out of feel, filling Sam with that sense of notoriety and celebrity and making him feel like he's more than that. Because Carla is unmarried mother of six kids who are some of them at least destined for jail, and she's in <laughs> poverty and she's got a really crappy life. It's a little bit better at least if she works for. A famous Boston sports hero. Sure. You know, Norm, what does Norm have in his life? But Chronically unemployed. Yeah, yeah, and chronic other stuff, you'd, you'd imagine at this point. Chronic liver disease is probably in his future. <laughs> but at least he can say, not only does he patronize this, you know, famous Red Sox guy, but they're friends. He, he's friends with, you know, this, this former relief pitcher for the Sox. That gives them something. It makes them better, so... This episode has one of my favorite teasers because it's just such a perfectly concise joke and this little microcosm. Diane comes into the bar. It's just starting her shift or whatever. And she's like, hey, everybody. And they're, they're basically greet her with, eh. And she calls, she's like, what kind of a greeting is that? When Norm comes in, everybody shouts, Norm. She's like, can I get the same kind of treatment? And Sam is like, you're right. Go back out, come back in, we'll, we'll give you what you deserve. She does it, she comes back in, and the whole bar shouts, Norm, to Diane. And she's like, thank you. It's just such a perfect little, that's, that's like a, I, I think it's kind of like just the perfect little microcosm of a Cheers teaser. What did you think? It says something about the, the warmth you have for the Cheers gang that the joke still works, even though anybody can see it coming. Yeah. I mean, you see it coming from a mile away, what they're going to do. And you're kind of like, come on, Diane, how did you not see that they were going to do that? <laughs> but it, it's, it's sweet because Diane wants to be part of the gang. Mm-hmm. And she, she, you know, she knows she's never going to be the norm of the group, but she wants some level of that. And so it's, it's a classic corny joke that works. And it's sort of funny in that I kind of like the, early the the cold opens that really can be airlifted into any episode yes yeah you really could shove it in front of any show and it would still work um my favorite part of this episode is the norm subplot and he comes in and he tells like the the others he's like i'm I'm entertaining these new clients they're really it's like you you can't embarrass me you can't talk like go on about your like basically he, he tells cliff Stay away from us. Don't embarrass me. He's like, I, I really need this job. I need these clients. So then he brings them in. The brew bakers, they're in dairy. And oh my gosh, it is so awkward. And I'll, I'll let you talk about the the, the guy here. Um, Mr. Brew Baker, played by Robert Simons. Robert Simons, played yes. Colonel Baldwin in a few episodes of MASH. He is a major... He only appeared in two episodes, but he 
looms large in MASH history because he is the colonel that dispatches Winchester to the 477th when he uh, gets in deep to Winchester at some cribbage games. And uh, he Winchester pisses him off. And so he sends Major Charles Emerson Winchester to MASH. And uh, so he's the character that that uh, launches the new character on season six of the show. And then they later brought him back as uh, as that same character. So, yeah, he only made two appearances, but he as a guest star, he's pretty big in MASH history. And then his wife in the show, Mrs. Brubaker, is played by Frances Bay, who's one of those actresses who has 100 credits, and you've seen her a lot. I think, at least to me, she's most recognizable from a couple episodes of Seinfeld. Uh, she is the woman that George Costanza literally fights over a marble rye for and, and <laughs> takes it from her. Um, uh, so, yeah, so Norm is trying to butter them up in order to like impress them, and nothing he says works. They they just seem like the most boring, obtusely uninteresting people. Like, Norm is coming down, like, with a joke, like, that we hear just, like, the punchline of this joke about a squirrel, like, saying something, and, and the man, they just kind of wait, they greet him with silence, and the man is just like, I'm not fond of jokes where animals talk. And it's like, oh my god, what is wrong with you? They're incredibly rude. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, they, they don't even humor Norm. By yeah. the way, you know, could there not have been another restaurant for Norm to take them to? He's worried that the bar flies are going to embarrass him. Well, go somewhere else. Go, you know, go go to the hungry heifer. Go somewhere. That's so funny that like it's it brings back that uh, the comment from Robin Coldcore. All you people come to this bar. You know, <laughs> my favorite line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we're like right off the bat, she's like, I don't like bars. And he's like, and Norm is like, Well, I think they should be abolished. And and like, there's all this food that they either can't or won't eat. And Norm is like, Yeah, I've got a sensitive stomach too. And at that yeah. point, Carla walks up. She's like, We got those taco flavored pork rinds. You <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> So, yeah, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say because my home run is part of that exchange, but um, um, yeah, just like oh my god, like it's it's so awkward this entire time, and finally Norm has to get up and chase down Cliff. Um, oh oh no, because it's after they're like, well, why don't we just stop by and just get a cup of coffee before you leave? And the man, the Brubaker, goes, I don't like coffee; it keeps me awake. And Norm's like, well, that must be a problem. Um, <laughs> but he chases down Cliff because he's like, I, I at dinner I found out that both of their parents were po- postal carriers. And Cliff goes, postal brats. <laughs> <laughs> and instantly, Nor like Cliff walks up to them and starts up this fa- fa- like fabulous rapport and like starts to schmooze them and and norm just rides cliff's coattails into getting this job so uh, that that whole little subplot i just thought was wonderful and, and really made norm so good in this episode i love the idea that like with the right people cliff is charming yes yeah. you know, with, to, to people that are kind of dead on the inside cliff is really great because he immediately talks about oh yeah i'll be seeing them this weekend like, <laughs> yeah. he invited him over like super fast yeah. like wow yeah, guy- like, you, you know so I mean, like I said, I have been on, again, to talk about wincing humor, I have been on dates where it went nearly that awkwardly. So it was a lot of like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, this this is how it can go sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, my God. So then there's the main plot with uh, with Sam and, like, um, Diane actually goes on PBS as one of the, the phone bank people in the background, and, and she talks to the announcer at one point, and she tells this horrible joke about surrealism. <laughs> which, which, I love her laugh. I love 
Diane's I've been witty laugh and it just sits <laughs> and it just sits there because it's just like no one thought that was funny. And she doubles down on it because she's like, I guess surrealist humor isn't your cup of fur. Yeah. And she like, sort of laughs at that again too. <laughs> like, terrible. oh my god. Terrible. Yeah. So when when she's talking to Sam, like later on when she comes back in the office and everything, and he's talking about like he mentions something that PBS is his favorite channel. And she's like, really? He's like, I like those two guys who talk about the di- like the the day's events. And she's like, oh, you mean McNeil Lair? He's like, no, Burton Ernie. Unless maybe that's their last names. Which how dumb is Sam getting? I that's, mean, come that's, on, that's, <laughs> that is a, a next level dumb. That like, no. <laughs> That's that's kind of how dumb he is in like the last two seasons. But how does Sam remember to breathe at this point? I mean, yeah. that, that's it's a funny joke, but it is like mm-hmm. we are a far cry away from the Sam of the pilot. Yeah. <laughs> he, he does a, a runner up for my favorite line, though, when Diane confesses that she's the one who bought the jersey. He kind of has to think about it and process, and then he goes, "I know you don't like to sleep alone, but why didn't you just come to me?" <laughs> he convinces her to take it back, and then it's not selling, so he pretends to be someone else, and um. He's looking at his posters and he's thinking about his career and the cheers that he used to get when he, from the crowd. And Diane says that he has a real job now with friends and he, he, he has his health. And that offends him. He's like, <laughs> How dare like, you, you say I have my health? <laughs> you don't say somebody's got their health unless they, it's all they have. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you said I have good health. I'm not going to take that anymore. And she's like, Sam, you're being sick. He's like, no, no, no. You can't take it back now. <laughs> I also love that Carla and Woody are trying to raise enough money to buy the jersey. And when they think the jersey sold, Woody thinks there's something else that he wants to buy on the jersey. Yeah, yeah. Can I get the potato? That yeah, yeah, like the potato car or something. Yeah. The, By the way, I should mention, the, the they mentioned the PBS station as WGBH, and that is the actual PBS station in Boston. Yes. So a nice little bit of a verisimilitude there. Right, right. Uh, the guy who buy, who ends up buying the shirt, uh, Burt, paid by Patrick Cronin again. He's one of those guys who's in a lot of stuff. Oh, man. You got like a thousand credits. Yeah, you, you know his face, even though he's – I think he's considerably younger in this one. I, I definitely – I think I've seen him in a lot more more recent stuff from like 90s and 2000s. But, um, and he, yeah, he just has got sick of seeing the shirt so much that he just wanted to give it the money to a worthy cause. And Sam takes Diane back to the office – so that she can gloat about him being a jackass and he can vent about her gloating and he they, he's just kind of like waiting for her to give him the opening so he can blow up and again it's just like you did this whole thing to yourself man that's mm-hmm. I, I I do love the idea that they have this this is supposedly like this PBS station right mm-hmm. so it's all this high art kind of stuff but then they have this whole bit about <laughs> the items that don't sell get handed to this monkey and it's like what like, what is, like why is this station so cruel to people that donate items why would you do that to them and it's like i knew they even and diane explains well this is a monkey that's like a like a sign language animal they teach it sign language so we can speak up to 500 words and then of course that leads to the joke where sam can't think of a word yeah but like it, it just i love that idea that like what is this pbs station that does this highbrow stuff but then also does something as lowbrow as handing over items to a monkey to just what throw around or something <laughs> like what what is this yeah yeah, I, I think that a lot of this like hinges on sort of like the the dramatic moment at the end when Sam 
kind of has to just come to terms. He has that re- that reconciliation that he's not going to sell his jersey. That the in Boston he's kind of a forgotten name, and and he's dealing with it appropriately and maturely. And he's you know he kind of seems at least the, the outward face that he's putting out there seems like uh, a man who has grown and, and developed a lot over the years. Um, and then all of that is completely dashed when he hears it sold for three hundred bucks. He's like, "Yeah, I run this burg." <laughs> He's like jumping around the tables. <laughs> By the way, I saw I saw in the trivia that this the his number sixteen, which we hear, is the worn by Red Sox pitcher Jim Lonborg, and he is the guy whose pitch and the picture yep. we see throwing the ball in the back of the bar. So that's the guy. So I, I that's I love that. I like that Jim Lonborg guy. Like. I'm sure it kind of not. I have no idea who that is. I, I hate to say I'm not familiar with that player at all, but I am sure that I mean, I I know some baseball players. Obviously, I've never heard of him. He's not Nolan Ryan. Right. He's not, you know, Steve Carlton or one of these very famous pitchers, it's not Tom Seaver kind of thing. But I'm sure that like whatever fame Jim Lomborg had from being a Red Sox pitcher has been eclipsed. By being his connection to Cheers. Oh, he could like, go to cons and just sell that picture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it goes on forever. You know, it's playing forever uh, across multiple streaming channels. Is that picture seen? You know, as a part of the bar's uh, decoration. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I think most of the humor isn't in the A plot. It's really confined to. Although there are some good ones, but like, yeah, it's just it's there's a there's a kind of sadness about Sam's plight in this one. It really and, is. It's 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 really very melancholy that he he has this fame, but it's very limited. But he gets an, a different sense of it because he's living in the bubble of Cheers, and mm-hmm. that's uh, you know, and you're like you want, and I like that. I. I I think that's realistic because, of course, not think of how many people play baseball in any given year, like a couple of thousand, right? right? Maybe not a thousand, but at least hundreds play major league ball. And out of that group, you're only heard of the average person has only heard of a couple of dozen of those people. And so, you know, a lot of them just have careers that come in and they disappear, you know, they, they go and they go do something else because their bodies give out at like 35. And now what are you going to do? It, it would probably be easier to write if you wrote Sam Malone as a Nolan Ryan, you know, like he was this legend. But no, you write him as he was a minor character. I mean, part of it is the hook is that the, the alcoholism destroyed his career, which is why he owns the bar. But I just think it, it gives the show an extra level of pathos that a lot of other sitcoms wouldn't bother with. So right. I, I, I like the show a lot, even though it is not certainly one of their funniest ones. Right. I also – I wonder how much of it, the emotional crux is kind of, I don't know, eclipsed by, by his by his blow-up at the end and him just kind of like ranting and shouting, which is more – which is less about him coming to terms with that and more about how much Diane drives him crazy because she right. can see it coming a mile away and and she knew that this was ultimately where the day was going – um, so he's more mad that just it's it, that he has to face this kind of shame and ignobility in front of her, um, and and less about him. I don't know uh, coming to terms with it himself, but yeah, it it, it gets very big. Like yeah. Sam Malone gets very big with uh, the screaming at Diane, and and it just, yeah, it does turn. It's funny. It kind of turns into a relationship episode without being one because it's more about their 
interpersonal dynamics than it is about Sam coming to terms with. Because, again, he's going to put off, as we know from the series, he's going to put off all emotional development as long as he can. Right, right. Uh, for Norm's tab, he had two beers this episode, um, which took him to 330 for the series. Um, who was your employee of the week? Uh, I mean, I, I guess I would... I kind of want to give it to Woody in a weird way because he doesn't have much to do except just be funny and be supportive. And I just sort of I really like his endless enthusiasm. Like he's just so happy to be involved in this. Uh, you know, he's just like, oh, look at Carl. We got money. Can we buy the potato? Like he's just so uh, he's just so engaged with with being part of this that like, you think about it, this is his first season. Like Sam Malone is by far the most famous person that he's ever met. Right. You know? And so I kind of like the way Woody Harrelson played it, that he's just sort of like so happy and just so excited to be part of this gang. I found that to be very charming, especially when you realize that Woody just didn't have a lot to do this episode. Right. Right. I give it to Norm. Again, I just thought like his, his subplot in this one was just like pound for pound. Every part of it, I was laughing at his, his, Interactions with the Brewbakers like were like cringeworthy for completely different oh, reasons. Oh man, yeah. The same flight, just like like how much like every time he tried to say something, they just like met him with silence or just slammed the door in his face. Um, and that leads me to my home run for the episode when they first sit down. He's like, "So you're in dairy? I've always found that that must be a fascinating field." And the man. This is his whole life's like work. This is his livelihood and everything. When somebody says that must be fascinating, he just looks at them. He's like, "Why would you think that?" Yeah, <laughs> so and, he's such a dick. And Norm really doesn't is. have a response because wh- why would you? Like, you don't understand. Like, like if you asked anybody, "Hey, what do you do?" Oh, I I work in you know finance. Oh, yeah, that must be interesting or something like that. You just you say that to be polite to, as a conversation starter. And you just kind of let them talk about themselves, and he doesn't give Norm any of that. And Norm just kind of like looks at both of them, like I didn't have a follow up to that. <laughs> he's a, he's so terrible. He just, he just makes it up, and he's like, you know, the products, cheese and milk and stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's just awful. He's just awful. And <laughs> I, I do want to ask you something. There's a moment that I was curious about when um, uh, Norm insults cliff right mm-hmm. and he's like you know you're the reason why and and then he's like you know and then and then cliff sort of insults himself and norm's like i knew you'd understand and then you know cliff goes on the run about you'll never hear me talk again like i will never say one more you know i'm doing a horrible cliff mm-hmm. impersonation but he does this whole run about that we know obviously he's not going to stick to that he's never going to talk again you'll never hear another word and of course that's just when carla comes out and, of course, that's the greatest thing Carla's ever going to hear. And she turns to Norm and says, how did you do it? <laughs> and that's funny. But the way Rhea Perlman says that line, it feels like there's a second line that gets cut. Because it's like it it ends very abruptly. Like she's like, how did you do it? And then it moves on to something else. I feel like the natural beat of that scene would be Carla say, how did you do it? Ba ba ba, like another yeah. line, but it cuts, and I wondered if there was another line that they just edited. I just, it's just a slightly strange rhythm, and Cheers was normally incredibly good at that. Mm, I would have to listen to it again because I don't remember, but I, I, it's definitely possible. I mean, I, yeah. I've, well, I've seen and heard examples of that where you know there was more to that dialogue or more to that speech, or they cut something out because there's just like, yeah, sometimes the flow is just off a little bit. So yeah, right. yeah. 
Yeah, you know that Carla would would be so thrilled that she yeah. would be talking to Norm about that for more than one second. Right, right. Or they would let the like the laughter ring a little bit longer than that. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like a runner. Like I. The whole teaser could have been a runner up for me for another home run. Just the the way that gag played out. So. My my favorite line though, and it's not even that funny a line, but I just love because it's a great character bit. Is when, <laughs> and I think I mentioned this like maybe on the pilot, even though that's not the line. But like the episode where Sam asks Woody and Diane and Carla to pick a color. And she goes, okay, mauve. You know, like that's the color she picks. And, you know, not red, blue, mauve. And it, that's so Diane. And so I love that she refers to Bobby Orr and Yastrzemski's stuff as athletic accoutrement. <laughs> accoutrement. I just love that. It's like she, again, she can't help herself. That she can't just say equipment. <laughs> She's got to say accoutrement. Knowing no one in the bar knows what accoutrement <laughs> means. And I just, that's just to entertain herself. Yep. And I just, I to me, it's it's the thing of Diane. You love her and you want to strangle her because she's so goddamn pretentious. <laughs> but again, you know, uh, Shelly Shelly Long played it so beautifully that you, I just I laugh at that every time. Her athletic accoutrement is just like, <laughs> trying to give it class. It's like we're probably talking about hockey sticks and catcher's mitts, yeah, even a jockstrap or a cup or something. Yeah, like jockstrap. Yeah. just yeah, I just. I, I just smile every time I, I hear it. It's just so funny. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Uh, all right. Well, Rob, thank you very much for uh, being my guest on this episode of Cheers Cast. Where else can people find you if they want to hear more from you in the <laughs> podcastosphere, as if they don't know? Well, as you said, I'm 60% of the network. So outside of the day Cheers Cast drops, uh, odds are I'm, I have a show out on, uh, <laughs> on the network. Actually, um, uh, as people are hearing this, I just wrapped up. Season four of MASHCast, so you're catching up to me, uh, Ryan. I will be getting on to season five as soon as possible. I will be having some bonus episodes in between seasons four and five. Some will be uh, very, very fun. So uh, if you like MASHCast, please, as I as I said on the mail call episode, please stay subscribed because there will be some, some bonus shows that we'll be dropping before we get to season five. That's very, very cool, very cool. Uh, and actually, it's a, a little segue to uh, my next announcement for this show. Uh, folks, we will, we're, this is season four, episode 13. We are at the halfway point for season four. There will not be a new episode of Cheers Cast next Thursday. Instead, uh, check out over on the uh, FW Presents feed. There will be a new episode, show, whatever for your listening pleasure from our departed friend, Zoom Yukonori. Yes, he continues to produce more shows from beyond. Unreal. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, there's going to be something from him next Thursday. And the Thursday after that, I will do a mailbag episode uh, talking about the listener feedback from the first half of season four. And then after that, I will jump back in with the uh, episode 14. So uh, yeah, next couple of weeks, won't be doing new episodes, but we'll have some more good content for you. Um, thank you, as all those of you who listen to Cheerscast and support the show either by liking and sharing on Facebook or favoriting and retweeting on Twitter and or leaving a comment on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com you can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Ashford Wright from the Right On Podcast Network and Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents and Monday Movie Muckabout, both of whom sponsor this show. For more information on how you can support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thanks everyone for listening, and until next time, we're closed. <laughs> Mr. Brubaker, would you... 
Tell me a little bit about the dairy game. I've, I've always felt it must be really fascinating. Really? Why would you think that? Because uh, of uh, all the different products. Have, uh, you know, milk, cheese, and... Uh, 